Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. You're with Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. I'm Michelle Martin. Asia Pacific shares are starting the week off on a positive note. The Nikkei is up 1.5%. In early trade, the ASX 200 in Sydney is up 1%. And the Kospi in Seoul is in positive territory as well. Trading volumes may be light, though, as U.S. markets are closed this evening for the Memorial Day long weekend. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How's the weekend, Ryan? Fantastic. How's yours, Michelle? Really good. You look really refreshed. Always, every Monday. <laughs> we'll see how long that will last. <laughs> Took the words out of my mouth. We begin this Monday morning with the story of durian. And while it can seem like a very profitable business, particularly when the fruit is in season, and the 24-hour stalls are all aglow, this morning's story shows that the king of fruit can also be risky as well as pungent. Are you a durian fan for us? Yeah, this is quite a lesson for many companies who actually were trying to diversify into the durian selling space. We saw actually quite a few of them in the past few years. Yes, you're right. So the business aspect of this story has to do with Nutrifarm International. A little less than a year ago, the Singapore-listed nutrition and health food company announced a shift in business, a new core unit to sell and trade durians in China. Now, though that shift announced by then-CEO Cheng Meng appears to have Backfired. Nutrifarm is facing a loss of nearly $7 million due to a shortfall in delivery. The company blames its former CEO, Cheng Ming, for the losses and is threatening to sue him. Now, this sounds like it could be material for a local soap opera. Let's start with what happened. How did Nutrifarm dig a $7 million durian hole? Yeah, man. It is quite an interesting story because first, what does this company have to do with durians? And we had another company, uh, Mirage, was, which was in the energy business, also going to durians. And here, uh. both of them have been just not having a successful journey in that pursuit of success with durians. So with Nutrifarm, what we have is apparently a bit of a dispute with its CEO. Pretty much, they did not deliver durians according to their contract and they had to write off or compensate for that shortfall in the contract and that is where they are right now failing to deliver on durians and they have to pay up instead of making money Indeed. So how can Nutrifarm say this isn't their fault and that it's departed CEO Cheng Meng, who introduced the China durian business to the company, should bear all the responsibility? I mean, surely the board must have signed off on such a major initiative. Yeah, so the durian story not bearing fruit for Nutrifarm and is blaming its CEO Cheng Meng. Apparently, because of two agreements he signed to settle the shortfall. So this was two settlement agreements signed in January to pay out $6.8 million. This is something apparently the company had no idea he did. So they are now disputing over this point that the CEO signed these two agreements without the company's knowledge. In fact, the company says it only found out last week about these two agreements. So they are saying the CEO is personally liable for these agreements because he signed them without the company's approval. And this is potentially going to drag out in court to see who is to be blamed. Yeah, even the chairman of the board has his name in the media part of the mess. What do you make of it? 
Yeah, it's going to be a big mess, and it's going to be a he says, she says thing potentially because going by the details, we know there isn't a lot to go on. But it is quite tough to say that your CEO can get away with signing agreements without the company's knowledge. I would imagine for a proper company, there will be SOPs, protocols to follow before anything can be signed off. But again, going by details in public, there isn't a lot to go on, so we can only wait for them to unfold. In the meantime, the company is saying it holds its former CEO responsible for the settlement agreements, including compensation and penalty amounts. So Nutrifarm shares were suspended in early April. They haven't traded since. Its shares are down nearly 80% over the past year. The company has lost $70 million in market cap. That's an awful lot of durian. No, it is. $6.8 million worth. I could eat all that. <laughs> Give me enough time, I could eat all that. All right, let's move from the king of fruit to other business now. We're in the midst of earnings season and a host of companies release results and forward guidance on Friday. So let's start with Singtel. It is predicting a rebound in its core business and higher profits. What is behind the telco's optimism? Yeah, let's start with numbers first. Singtel ringing up the profits up 4.9% year on year. That is for the second half underlying net profit. So it is being boosted by a couple of things. And that is seeing some optimism around the travel recovery. You might remember not a lot of people were traveling in the past few years and that just meant a slower business for things like roaming, for using your data or internet overseas, and even SIM cards. So all these things just wait on a business, but with things easing up, that is going to be promising for Singtel. Also, it's eyeing the easing of competition in regional markets. So that's something that it is quite bullish on. And also, it is quite optimistic about the year because it is seeing some good trends coming through from income from digitalization. So mm-hmm. on that front, it's going through what they say is an ongoing business transformation with its so-called strategic reset, which is off the back of the 5G market developing, new growth areas in ICT and digital services, and expanding into the data center space. And also, one thing they could be looking forward to is the return of foreign workers. So these will be the guys typically just using your IDD calls, your SIM cards, your roaming stuff. So that could be a lift for Singtel and help it to recapture some of its lost revenue. Singtel shares in the red over the past month. They're up 16% since the beginning of the year. Next up, I have two property companies to chat about. One's doing well and one is not. One is focused on luxury hotels in Australia. The other on residential projects like the Atelier here in Singapore. So I'm talking about Stamford Land and Bukit Sembawang. Which company is reporting strong profits and which one has weaker revenue? Ryan. All right, luxury beats residential. So Stanford Land is up and you've got Bukit Sembawang not doing as well. That's it. So what's driving Stanford Land's business? So let's take a look at the numbers. Stanford Land's net profit rose over 130% for mm. the fiscal second half. And that is off the back of fair value gains on investment properties of around $12.5 million. So luxury is still holding strong. Indeed, but why is Bukit Sembawang suffering? Did we not see it have a very successful launch at Live at MB in Mountbatten recently? They did. So this is something to note in terms of how things are calculated on the revenue recognition front. So looking at the headline numbers first, you've got a fall of 75% in net profit to $29.6 million. Second half ended March 31st. 
And that's off the back of a similar drop in revenue. So that is off the back of lower profit recognized on development projects. So this is something that was not recorded in that stretch and maybe could be recognized in the coming period. So something to look forward to. One more company on our Monday morning earnings watch and that's Cortina Holdings. Last week, we talked about how one of its competitors, the Hourglass, is doing well amid strong demand for luxury watches. So what about Cortina? How is it performing? All right, Cortina having a good time with his earnings and is up 72.3% for his second half net profit. Mm -hmm. So this is ended March on the back of a recovery from the supply chain disruption which it faced. So that led to better sales mix and stock allocation. So we've seen how actually the watch space actually also doing quite resilient, doing quite well alongside property. All right, let's zoom out now for Wall Street, where the U.S. markets enjoyed their first weekly gain in nearly two months. And it was a sizable gain as well. The S&P 500 finished up 9% over the past five trading sessions. So what is behind the newfound optimism, Ryan? Well, it could be a case of a few things. One is, you know, people just got tired of selling and they saw some bargains <laughs> out there. And hey, maybe it's time to get in. And in fact, we saw for the week, the Dow up 6.2%. Actually, all three indexes were up more than 6%. And for the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq, they broke seven-week losing streaks. And for the Dow, it was eight-week losing streaks. So what we have also is on Friday, a bit of good news coming through from the inflation report for the US. And that showed that inflation slowing a bit for April was at 4.9% for the core personal consumption expenditures price index. That's down slightly from the 5.2% pace in the previous month. So reflecting that, hey, maybe things are not as bad as what people were expecting and inflation may be peaking as what people were speculating. On the earnings front, the software companies reporting on Friday also provide a boost. And just, I think overall, you have just investors trying to answer that question. Is this the end of that sell-off? And maybe some of them were saying, hey, it is. And maybe some are saying, is this a dead cat bounce? Is that the rally that we're seeing? You know, a market still in a bearish phase or have they bottomed out? So what's the word on the street, right? Yeah, dead cat bounce. Just imagine dropping a dead cat. So <laughs> it won't bounce a lot. So you can imagine that is what some people are trying to speculate. You know? Will it actually be sustainable in terms of that bounce or will it just go back down again? So it's quite tough to call. You have some markets, market watchers pointing to how the PE ratios are right now at the historical averages. So that could be a sign that things have bottomed out. You also have some people saying, hey, we've seen this before and markets are just going to trend down lower because we don't have any strong catalysts out there. We've just finished the earnings season. It was a bit patchy. And going forward, we're going to have no earnings season to write on. We're going to have higher monetary policy settings potentially. And you still have the Ukraine war. You have so many things still unresolved. And that is potentially going to weigh on markets in terms of business costs, higher wages, and things that could just dent the business sentiment. And if you look at the bright side, perhaps, what we could look forward to is the China story perhaps starting to get better because Shanghai has rolled out a few measures to shore up the economy there and the sectors which have been harder hit. This is around 50 measures in eight sectors. So one that could provide some tailwinds for sentiment. And of course, Shanghai will be trying to get back to 
business. Normal business mm -hmm. in the coming weeks. That is our expectations. We'll see if that plays out. Japan and South Korea are also easing up in terms of restrictions. So that could provide some, I guess, positive momentum if there is going to be any for the foreseeable future. And to the question, is inflation going down? I think traders are going to be looking at US payroll numbers out later this week to gauge if the Fed's tightening path will continue or whether they'll strive to rein in inflation further. Looking ahead, what is on the calendar this week? Okay, I've got my eye on a couple of things. One of them is still China in terms of data. So coming tomorrow and on Wednesday, we will get business conditions PMI numbers. And just to zoom in on one of them, tomorrow the official manufacturing PMI numbers will be out. And this is expected coming at 48.9. The good news, up slightly from 47.4. Not so good news, it is under 50, which signals contraction. So we will see if there is going to be any surprise, positive or negative to cheer when the numbers are out. And also on the central bank policy front, the Bank of Canada will be one to watch as they release that decision on Wednesday. And we are expecting a rate hike. And this is another 50 basis point hike to 1.5%. And this is in the backdrop of a surprise jump in inflation. And of course, to keep track or keep step with the Fed as well. Mm. And looking ahead to Thursday, the OPEC Plus meeting will be something to watch out for. By and large, most are expecting them to do what they've been doing in the past few months, which is to gradually re um, introduce supplies back into the market to the tune of around 400,000 barrels per day. So we'll see if they are budging to just help the economic recovery by bringing back more supply and bringing down prices. So something to look out for on the oil price front. And of course, the big data I think most market watchers will be watching out for will be the non-farm payrolls out on Friday, which is expected to reinforce a picture of robust recovery in the US labour market. I'm exhausted just listening to everything that we have to look out for this week. All right, time for Up or Down. Let's open our books, Ryan, and start with Canva. I use this Australian design company a lot. Canva. So this, I would go with Up because mm. the ex-Disney CEO, Bob Iger, has taken a stake in Canva. So how often do you use Canva, actually? You know, I love making candles for friends and family. And so I use the design company for my little uh, oh, labels. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so this seems lot. to be something he thinks will be the next big thing. And mm. Bob Iger, I think, has an eye for you know, what will work. Good news for the Australian design company Canva. So Bob Iger has been making a number of high-profile investments with his own money since stepping down from Disney's board last mm. December. Canva is valued at $40 billion US dollars, by the way. All right, so is Tom Cruise bouncing on a couch? Is it up or down? <laughs> top Gun is the top <laughs> movies. So that's... In the uh, opening weekend, which saw it rake in $124 million, which wow. is Tom Cruise's highest US debut. Ever. Imagine that. We still got it. Definitely an up. He does. Will More you watch it? To jump on. Will you watch it? Because it's, it involves planes. It is quite a nostalgic thing, right? You, well, at least I grew up watching this and I'm going to be keen to see how it disappoints or not. Mm -hmm. you know, what's yeah. going to be a difference or what are the things that could trigger those memories from yesteryears? Yeah, I'm up for it. I mean, I love the soundtrack of Top Gun first time around. So why not? I'm going to watch it. Top Gun Maverick. Aston Martin, Ryan. 
Alright, so this is going to be an up for me and it involves around James Bond, specifically <gasps> the one that Sean Connery was driving, the Aston Martin DB5 is up for auction. Wow. And if you've got some cash, nearly $2 million, it could be yours. Alright, so it sounds like an up to me. I do know a car collector. If you're listening in, why not add number 66 to your collection? The 1964 Aston Martin DB5, personally owned by the late Sean Connery, up for sale. It's going to hit the auction block in August. Price tag, two million US dollars. So would you want to own a piece of James Bond history? Yeah, if you had this two million. is the movie Goldfinger, which it was featured in. Oh, so, okay. Something to, I guess, park in your garage if you've got a garage or a yeah. HDB block. <laughs> <laughs> I want to turn to Singapore now. We are 22 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index jumped two-thirds of a percent on Friday to close at 32.30. The Blue Chip Index still finished the week in the red, though. So how's the STI starting off this Monday morning? Yeah, quite a contrast to Wall Street. We had STI down slightly underwater by around 0.3%. The big loser last week was Hong Kong land down over 3%. But good news, we've got the SDI in the green. It's up 0.3% so far at 3,239. And at the top of the STI table, we've got Yangji Jiang Shipbuilding, Capital DC Wheat and Maple Tree Logistics Trust all higher by over 1%. And looking at where we are for the bottom of the table, we've got Jardin Second Carriage down 2% and is, at, and is trading ex-dividend today. Singtel lower by 0.7%, Taibev down 0.7%. And Hong Kong Land just gaining back some of the losses right now up 0.2%. All right, thanks very much. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.